0: All right, welcome back to Chasing Squirrels. I am happy to say I'm sitting here with a fantastic educator. I have a backstory as to how we first met, and maybe I'll throw that down at some point. Uh, And fortunate to be able to reach out and kind of create what I'll say is kind of like, I guess, an organic meeting, quick messages, use Twitter, social media, get to a table and get to a conversation that I think is both timely and a key conversation that more educators, I hope, are having in their schools, in their school boards with their colleagues, digital and otherwise. So without further ado, I am here with Sanji Sivaneseen, and Sanji, could you throw down your own intro? Sure. (laughs) I feel lazy every time I say that, but (laughs) your own introduction.
1: No, I, I like that challenge. Um, hello, I'm uh, Sanji. Um, my proper uh, Tamil name is uh, Sanjeevan but uh, it's been anglicized uh, and that's part of my identity so um, with that, there you go, uh, I am an immigrant to um, this land um, that's called Canada and I am cisgender, male, um, gay, um, I guess coming up on middle age. Um, and um, yes, I'm an educator, but I'm also uh, an individual trying to, you know, make sense of this world and and um, and, and leave it um, better than I have found it. Uh, I am privileged in uh, many ways, and, and one of them is, um, you know, being able to do what I do. Um, and all the um, it's a, it is a calling, yes, uh, being an educator, but. Um, the responsibility is a great one, and I'm thankful for so many things. One of them uh, is um, the responsibilities I've been um, allowed through uh, our board, York Region District School Board, and um, and I take that very seriously, to, and uh, and always reflect on that in terms of um, impact of, of what I do and what I uh, bring to uh, our learners and to our system, and also my colleagues. Um, so again, trying to think about how do I um, leave um, the world as is a better place than I found it
0: um, for those that are uh, in it of it I love I love introductions that kind of blow my list of questions out of the water. It's sort of and I only mean by the things that I'm curious about in our discussion, I like when, whatever starting point I thought I could get to, I don't know if I can start there anymore. And that's a positive thing for me sure. because it's, yeah, I mean it's that's I think is one way to kind of assess if you're on the right track in a conversation, mm-hmm. if you feel kind of invigorated and slightly surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm looking to sort of surprise and zig or zag <laughs> necessarily, but I appreciate it when that happens to me. Mm-hmm. I, I know that I know, Some of the pieces that you've spoken to, how you identify, um, from let's in the least your Twitter profile, Mm -hmm. and one of the words in there that always catches my curiosity, and I've, and I guess it was something I'd been I was meaning to ask you, but I believe in there you'd said you're a pluralist, Mm -hmm. and I'm and I'm, sometimes there's I got to be admit like sometimes I go right to Google and I try and get the definition. Right, I want to lock it down, like it's sure. sort of like. But then there's other times I'm like, I feel like this would or might be better addressed from a different perspective, as in as in yours. Um, what importance does that I- identity hold for you? What does that what does that what is the power? What is the sort of the point of view? What 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 does that mean to you to be a pluralist? Um,
1: good question. Um, you know, I would have to say that pluralism or that shift towards pluralism. Um, is really recent, um, you know. When I first started this uh, in this role as a curriculum consultant, about four years ago, um, we did a bit of a survey in one of the um, cognitive coaching sessions, um, where you know you sort of um, self-identify based on statements. And um, having just um, come from being a department head of English and, and literacy lead, um, I ended up uh, being a being an academic rationalist. Um, and I prided myself on that. I may not have um, known that's what it was called, but again, my my stance was that, right? Academic rationalism. And, you know, um, that's where you prioritize literature and canon and uh, merit and um, standards because we need to have those things, uh, right? And what it means to be a learned person. And being in this role, and especially... Um, putting equity and, and anti-oppression work in the center um, has um, enabled me to question that and that pluralism comes out of that that there is no um, neutral um, academic um, rationalism um, it is a, um, a perspective uh, a particular worldview um, that is um, you know uh, related to a particular um, culture and uh, worldview as well but it, on the surface it's marketed or it's perceived as, as neutral or as um, um, you know erudite all those things so all those um, privileged markers that go with that notion of academic uh, rationalism um, so whereas pluralism um, you know um, espouses the notion that uh, there are uh, many views um, you know there's no one way of looking at things that is credible, or neutral, or um, value-free, and, and that's a huge shift for me. Um, especially, you know, embodying the social identities that I embody. As I said, uh, you know, being a, an immigrant, uh, being um, South Asian, Sri Lankan, um, gay, uh, cisgender. Um, I'm also able-bodied. Um, you know. Um, I only speak, I speak English and Tamil and, and not French. I'm a uh, middle class background. Um, so all those uh, identities um, enable me to have a view uh, that is uh, you know, a multiple perspective and, and academic rationalism isn't it. And the other part of that is um, you know, academic rationalism prioritizes curriculum and um, as I said, texts and, and authors. Uh, you know, which begs the question: You know, what about the reader? Right? What about the learner? You know, what of them? What of their needs and aspirations and interests uh, and um, and gifts and talents? And and that's been uh, my journey. Uh, and that's been um, reflecting back now. You know, as they say, um, you know, f- um, uh, reflecting back that um, that being academic rationalist um, had consequences. Um, you know, for better or for worse uh, on my learners, on myself, on my practice. Um, so I believe that pluralism now, I think, is a, is a good way of, of capturing uh, my shift towards that um, truth, uh, in, in, in quotations, that there are multiple ways of, of being in the world, seeing the world, um, and uh, responding to the world. Uh, so I always try to operate from that that, you know, what am I missing? What am I not seeing? You know, what are my filters? Uh, and um, you know, what are other uh, potentialities and possibilities exist? Does that answer your question?
0: Absolutely. Okay. And as a, Yeah, no, 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 and this as, a, as I'm listening as I'm listening to the layers as I'm sort of like existing in your layers My mind is like, yeah, Clough, that's why you don't go to Google to some things mm-hmm. That's why you need to you need to sort of connect with the person or connect with the community and sort of kind of find out because, yeah, that's a, uh, that's a wonderful perspective. Like, <laughs> I can't ask for any, I don't think anyone could ask for any more of sort of like that, that the why. And I am curious to sort of, go ahead, jump in.
1: No, I was going to say, well, you know what? Um, that is sort of a, um, you know, um, self um, acquired or, you um, moniker or or philosophy, and that can be, you know, quite um, biased and and, uh, distinct from the dictionary definition, right? But that I felt, uh, based on my lived experience, pluralism captures the essence of what I believe and stand for now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, again, you know, um, it could be completely different from what it's meant to be, you know, from a philosophical, uh, you know, um, uh,
0: knowledge perspective. What's for me to sort of to play off that Mm -hmm. I get the sense that that part of this discovery part of this noticing in yourself Mm -hmm. that there's a path up to it. There's a there's a sort of like a 1.0 version of you that sort of like there was a necessary starting point in order to sort of figure out that you're no longer in faculty anymore. It's, you know, and, and for some other educators I, I, I've talked to, they sort of, they use that kind of as a starting point, as in mm-hmm. that first door they walk through to sort of identify themselves as an educator, as a teacher, as someone that was going to work in education, they, they hold a lot of sort of, um, a lot of credit to the things that they were taught in faculty. Mm-hmm. It becomes the starting point, the eye-opening point, the beginning of, let's say, the journey Somewhere between that and where you are right now, Mm -hmm. how did you notice that you were either A, changing Mm -hmm. in your sort of perspective? Because it sounds like not only this to be a a personal identification, but there's a professional Mm -hmm. element to it as well. Your perspective on, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, you know, the the impact on the classroom, Mm -hmm. impact on self, impact on community. Mm -hmm. Was there something in there that shifted you? Or is it a lot smoother than that? Is As you know, you're just kind of here, like you're sort of on this journey and now as I ask you the question, you can answer it. But was there kind of like, I don't want to reduce it to a moment, but where you notice that what you were introduced to, let's say at faculty or the student that you were that was becoming the teacher, you realized, I'm, gonna, I'm kind of letting go of some of those pieces mm-hmm. in order to sort of take on these new ways of thinking. The reason that I asked and I'll completely front load this is that there? There are other, I'll say educators because primarily that's who I talk to, that are looking to create change within their sort of sphere. They they want to, they want to bring what what they're noticing is now like their new, authentic identity, whatever it is, and they're trying to figure out how do I how do I pivot. Mm-hmm. is it even a pivot right mm-hmm. and sometimes in noticing it you create a barrier that isn't actually there it's just you taking a snapshot mm-hmm. whereas if you just kept on doing what you're doing you would have arrived at the exact same place right was there a noticeable moment though mm-hmm. in your process of understanding yourself or mm-hmm. sort of like recreating yourself or sort of even just noticing who you're becoming in education that became the shift and you're like no I, I think i'm like kind of going in this direction now right um i would say um it's a, a
1: I guess mixture of a few things, um, one of them being um, uh, your uh, colleagues right who again, um, who's come into this uh, role as consultants, um, you know high caliber, um, you know highly uh, effective um, instructors who's got the pedagogy down, uh, but also, um, they're always uh, reflecting, as again, um, you know, effective practitioners uh, reflecting. They're um, self-correcting, and it's um, and that's sort of a culture that does permeate, I think, curriculum and especially the folks that I've worked with, uh, which in turn influence you to do that as well, mm-hmm. right? That um, and the second part of it is that, um, free of the confines of the classroom and the school, um, there's some. Um, Impetus uh, an opportunity to let go of some of those um, legacies mm. that you are bound by, uh, because curriculum, um, you know, th- there is some uh, autonomy um, and there is some, um, uh, you know, trust in. Okay, you sort of proven yourself as an educator. Now, um, how do you want to be part of the of the shift? So, I think that 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 opportunity to. Um, think about your own practice, but also think about and uh, be critical of what goes on in in the classrooms. Um, so that's the other one, and um, I think uh, one of the reasons um, I think I was such a an academic rationalist, um, and you know, and all the challenges and and uh, advantages that came with that was that as a, a racialized, um, you know. Um, English as a second language uh, learner, as, as I mentioned, I was an immigrant to this country, um, I think at the core of some of um, my practice was predicated on, um, you know, what um, I now understand to be that imposter syndrome, that, you know, um, you, know you an immigrant, um, English is a second language, um, you know, you're a department head or your literacy lead, Um, So, you're always, um, you know, uh, thinking to yourself, um, how are you good enough to do this? How are you here, right? So, to um, perhaps um, contradict or, um, uh, you know, minimize that sort of self-doubt, that, you know, imposter feeling, you're always wanting to present the best version of yourself, and that version of yourself to the world uh, is sometimes as very rigid, uh, demanding, or um you know having high expectations so that you can't be questioned you can't be right because i'm you know i'm by the book i am reproducing uh what it means to be an english instructor right that is to have mastered uh you know shakespeare and the uh, british canon and and even canlit right because that was my major canlit and canadian history right uh but of course Little did I recognize, or perhaps I recognized, uh, but uh, wasn't willing to admit, uh, was that the erasure of, uh, you know, indigenous voices mm-hmm. uh, in Canlit, in Canadian history, uh, you know, colonization and genocide of British colonialism, right? Uh, having come from Sri Lanka, um, and. Um, so, I was always sort of grappling with those and uh, in order to claim my space uh, as a department head, as a literacy lead, as an English teacher, I felt that I had to uh, reproduce and um, uh, you know, use those legacy beliefs and practices and ideologies uh, to stake my claim, my uh, validity right, of the, in that role. Right, lest I be, you know, challenged, scrutinized, as as I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it it may very well be that that was my perception, and that's how I, um, uh, you know, explained it to myself. Maybe that wasn't really the case, right? But that's how I perceived my reality and and responded in that way. Uh, but I'm now inclined to think that there was some of that, right? When you walk into a room, uh, right, you're read as that you're you know, how others perceive you. Labels are put on you, right? So there are expectations that come with that, mm-hmm. right? So you're having to always, uh, you know, prove yourself, in, in other words. Um, so I think, you know, reflecting back on that, it was, um, you know, wreaking uh, um, cost to uh, myself, but also to my students, um, you know, who there were indications that they saw me as um, unapproachable, uh, saw me as, um, you know, um, prioritizing um, content and texts over them, right? Uh, but again, in, in terms of that discipline, that's what he had to do. You know, I'm here to teach you English, mm-hmm. right? Uh, whereas my elementary colleagues would often say, um, you know, I teach kids, right? But in secondary, right, we claim, you know, we are the calculus teacher, you know, I'm the 12U teacher, I'm the AP teacher, right? So those roles, you know, you internalize. Right, and you reproduce, and uh, and you know, and then you lose um, that that human um, connection. And a purpose of education is to uh, transform lives, to um, you know, connect um, students to potential and, and passion. Right. Um, so I, I think there were already cracks in the in that perception of myself, and and, um, and then, um, but again, having um, in, uh, come into this role. Um, and, and the department and, and the kind of work we were doing um, in terms of collaboration with colleagues, I think really, um, you know, uh, continue to destroy that, that part of myself. Um, you know, not, that's not to say I still, you know, uh, have uh, moments of academic rationalism, uh, where I feel like that's my default, so I have to really fight against that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, so, and that, you know, to be pluralist, uh, to really wonder about, you know, what am I missing? What am I not seeing? You know, what's my filter? Uh, is my attempt at countering those, um, you know, default
0: positions? You 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 got, you have me thinking about just that, the power the power of transition when we're sort of going through. I mean, on it could be a simple example of um, uh, this year, Sanji. We need you teaching two sections of geography. Mm-hmm. And you sort of do the, you have that moment where you sort of, you dig into what you assume is all you and you, you know, can I do this? Should I do this? Why are they doing this to me? Like it's that, you get into that gray zone of transformation. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I wonder about how resistant you were when you started to realize that you couldn't go back to a version of yourself and you sort of had to move forward, uh, and wh- whether or not you have, like, can you speak to that? Like, uh, for me, if, if I were to sort of, if, if I take that in, mm-hmm. for me, that's an emotional experience. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you, when you realize you just, you just, that's almost rite of passage, you can't go back to that version yeah. that you were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether or not you agree that you should move forward, you just realize that you can't be stationary. You're gonna mm-hmm. be pulled through to this next place. Right. Did you have a sense that you were changing towards something or that you are just, you needed to leave stuff behind?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think when you get to, I think I was at year nine or 10 Mm. when uh, this opportunity came. So, um, you know, you've had um, a handle on that, the pedagogy. You've had a handle on uh, assessment um, and, but but you also were noticing the shortcomings, right? Um, So, you know, thinking about the impact on students. You know, I was, starting to notice things like, um, why were all the university classes, um, there were fewer, um, students of color, mm-hmm. uh, and students from, um, working class, uh, backgrounds, um, right, and even, uh, boys, right? He was, it was, uh, dominated by girls, uh, and boys going into, um, like, you know, STEM sort of fields, um, and, it had and, uh, for you English was just a compulsory credit to get through, right? It wasn't engaging them, um, right? Um, So I was like, you know, why is that? Is that by design? Is that by, you know, intention? Um, And then also the, um, uh, I would say, um, the barriers to changing that um, from, you know, other teachers, uh, from um, even students and the community as well, and um, and one of the things was uh, at my previous school, um, there was um, a feedback from the parents that um, that English teachers in general at the school uh, the parents perceived as being gatekeepers mm. because their students were excelling in all the you know so-called applied sciences and maths, uh, but when it you know and and um, and doing quite well in terms of 90s and so on, but when it came to English, they could barely get a 75, right? So they were, um, their, um, co- uh, you know, career and their college aspirations or even scholarship um, opportunities uh, were being jeopardized because, uh, you know, they weren't getting the same results in English. And, you know, our first, uh, or my first response was, was to that, said, well, uh, the problem is with the students, right? Um, but then you know, and then I started to think about is it. And I think that was the you know initial um, you know crack in the in the foundation of
0: things, that you know. Those, those moments are huge. Mm-hmm. Like you like, mm-hmm. and and I, mm-hmm. I'm, again, I'm really lensing down on this. How was that brought to your attention? Because that's that's a major that's mm-hmm. a major, sort of like, turn sure. to go from. Mm-hmm. It's not about. It's, it's actually about how they're, it's, it's how they're learning, mm-hmm. not how I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. a whole lot of great quotes out there that talk about, you, you know, those things have to be in harmony. Otherwise, mm-hmm. most cases mm-hmm. will side the teaching doesn't exist. That's what gets mm-hmm. zapped out of that zero sum mm-hmm. if there isn't something harmonious right. coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, how how is that brought to your attention? Because I will say in connecting with other teachers that maybe are resistant to consider Factors other than student agency and efficacy mm-hmm. to look back at themselves and their approach and their pedagogy right. um, you've mentioned before that you know the people that colleagues colleagues are an important mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. uh, re- reflector for yourself um, what were the discussions in the actual department looking mm-hmm. like when you come to this realization. Because I've been in those those mm-hmm. meetings where you're kind of like, you're the one that becomes the outlier in the statement. Right. And it's sometimes, for me, so alt ed is my background. Mm-hmm. Um, alt ed, spec ed guidance. Right. And I, I, I was the foot in mouth every time, but sort of posing that question that either, it was new, kind of new to me, or it took on real new power to me. And I could tell when I posed it to the table, of my colleagues, at whether it was uh, regional meetings or it was at uh, uh, department head meetings, they're like, "Oh, cluff," really? like. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm like, but I think this is the question. This is the question we have to be asking. Um, and everything just kind of goes right. You can feel just mm-hmm. like that, the breaking right. going on. So, for you to sort of arrive at this place. Was there anything in particular, or was it just uh, like observing the wellness of the kids? Like we were just, I can't just, I have to make it about their wellness, not necessarily about their proficiency. Right, they're not flourishing. Right, it, I think it was both
1: uh, feedback, because again, I think in this profession, we've um, gotten away with, um, you know, perhaps not seeking feedback on our and practice. That you know, it's something we do it to you, take it or leave it. the Semester is over. Right off we go. Mm-hmm. Right. So and now we know. Um, right. Thanks to you know equity um, educators and, and um, uh, thinkers that that's impact. We never really assessed impact, and it, it and I still feel that um, you know we're not um, fully uh, reflecting on our uh, intent and our impact. Right, but I didn't have that language back then. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so to hear a guidance um, member or uh, you know a counselor say, you know, the um, uh, sense out there is that you know uh, English teachers are X Y. Um, you know, that was a bit of a shock to the system, right? Because I had never sought that out before, um, and so it made me think, you know, is it something I'm doing? We're doing. And, and the other part of it as well is that uh, it was, um, they were also leaving in droves. The students were looking for alternative opportunities for, uh, for English, uh, you know, for your course, right? They were going to private schools. They were going to summer school. Again, something to be gotten over with versus to learn and, and, and become proficient in communication. Um, so, you know, it was even self-serving in a sense that we were losing sections, right? And we're talking in a large school upwards of, you know, Um, two or three teachers in a a large school that we should have, but we weren't because of the flight to uh, anything but at the school, right? Um, So thinking about, you know, all the opportunities, you know, losing out on on, on that as well, that they were were voting with their feet and we're finally starting to notice because somebody, you know, pointed it out. And the other part of it is that um, I thought I was equity-minded and yet, you know, parents had this perception that we were, were gatekeeping. And the community that I taught at was highly diverse. Um, and that really um, met, made me pause and think, perhaps I'm not as equitable as I think when an entire community feels that there is a concerted effort to prevent their kids from being successful, right? So there's something to, you know, if there's a large group of people saying that, highly likely, right? There's something going on. Um, so that that was uh, a beginning of the, uh, um, you know, the um, uh, as I said, the, the crack uh, in the foundation. And uh, so I I am really mindful of seeking feedback and um, you know always asking, um, how is it for the other person on the receiving end?
0: In teaching, in teaching English, take that as one of your. One of your loves, one mm-hmm. of your curricular Absolutely. loves, one of your life loves, wherever it sits in that in that love space for you. Um, when you started, were you were you the teacher? As you were the student, when you were sort of taking those courses. So, have you always taught mm-hmm. secondary? Was that your mm-hmm. so secondary? I have, yeah. So, was there any when you think back on, uh, let's say, the experience that you were providing? As the teacher, as the educator in the classroom, mm-hmm. were any of the memories of you as the student developing your love for that craft? Was that informing your practice? So were you sort of like the mm-hmm. the teacher that you were the student, Right. or did you feel at the time? Uh, the best example I, I, I can give for myself is that in high school was not a <laughs> high school was not I would high school was the work that I did to kind of get to my job, which was work in restaurants. So I sort of tolerated being in school, towed the line, got my marks, mm-hmm. wanted to work in hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came into teaching, I had a I had a I had a sense of I was gonna be teaching because I started off teaching hospitality culinary in high school. And I was aware of almost instant instantly I was aware of myself as a student in my own class. Not, 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 I'm not. I didn't really gain anything out of it. It's not like I had this epiphany, like, oh, I need to be a better teacher than what I had as a kid. Mm-hmm. But I had this sense of uh, somewhere between nostalgia and déjà vu, like, mm-hmm. how am I doing this differently than what right. I experienced? Right. You as a student in an English class back in the day, mm-hmm. did you have a sense of, yeah, you know what, I'd kind of like to teach this, mm-hmm. or was there something different? How did ED, how was EdU brought to you, and were you a different teacher than you were a student? Well, I like to think so, um,
1: because high school was um, utterly boring. And I, I like to think that because, <laughs> for, again, you, for, you, for me, think, exactly, okay. um, you know, because so we read um, Stone Angel and Fifth Business and uh, King Lear, um, uh, um, you know, um, right? So uh, The Great Gatsby, right? And, and because I had a particular, I guess, um, you know, inclination for language, I got through it. Right mm-hmm. and and even uh, you know uh, I would say it based on the marks I got but I didn't get anything from it personally okay. but I was doing all the uh, I was you know reading uh, literature um, in, outside a classroom mm-hmm. right but that wasn't um, for uh, that wasn't that didn't count uh, and then even further in in um, university I ate up postcolonial literature and feminist literature. Um, and and poetry and um, you know African um, history, um, so you know. And then when I came back to you know, or teaching the school system, um, I was reproducing. Um, because first five years, as you know, is survival, Yes, right? You just, you know, uh, thank goodness for uh, course binders, I'm just teaching, and I was LTO, I was working part-time, so I was just surviving and, 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 you know, reproducing those uh, things. And then after, you know, you think you have a bit of a grounding, then you start to be like, you know what, let's start incorporating some, you know, racialized voices and and feminist voices. Um, But yet, you know, that's uh, supplementary. Right. The, the core still remained. Mm-hmm. Right. The center still, you know, uh, um, still held, which was um, CanLit, uh, you know, Eurocentric yes. right, curriculum for the most part. Um, and then, you know, and, and because the resources existed. So for various uh, reasons of convenience, practicality, Um, you know, legacy, you reproduce those, right? Uh, But then, you know, you, because I had a love of of literature and especially imaginative literature, I made it work, right? Because I like to think I had a handle on, um, you know, uh, instructional um, efficiency and and, uh, assessment, I still made it work. And, you know, I inspired my students because I was highly motivated. Um, You know, I had um, personable relationships, I like to think anyway. I, I made it work. But again, um, I think in the daily grind of things, I, I'm not sure I stepped out to see uh, or to ask, you know, are they engaged by this? Are they transformed by this? Or are they going through the motions? Right? So you know, I was teaching and they were studenting. Um, you know, and in terms of, uh, you know, assessment, the level fours were level fours, that came in as level fours, left as level fours, the level threes came in as level threes, left as level threes, and so on, right? So there, there was no progress as a result of my uh, teaching.
0: I'll put it that way. Hmm. And coming into teaching, mm-hmm. what convinced you that you should pursue that? Was that an always dream to sort of?
1: It it was. Um, Again, because I loved language and and literature and and literacy, um, because that was my passion, um, I made it work, right? So even when I was reading uh, in first year, you know, Roughing It in the Bush, you know, Susanna Moody, the, you know, quintessential first uh, tome of, you know, of, of Canadian, Canadiana, Right and uh, where this um, you know uh, British uh, immigrant woman. Uh,
0: is blatantly racist towards the squaw I feel like you're, you're gonna <laughs> with that language in itself you're gonna be triggering some of some some listeners that are like oh my god I, I remember that right, right. yeah yeah <laughs> um, right I made it work because I was like oh I can get through this yeah uh, because of
1: my passion for literature and I saw it as yeah I guess this is what you have to read in order to have a English degree in Canada from york University it's kind of an early sense of gatekeeper syndrome right Yeah. 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 exactly early because sense that's that. what right that that was what was prioritized that that was uh, what was on the syllabi Um, so that's what it was um, literature was characterized as Mm -hmm. right Um, you know so uh,
0: there you have it Mm -hmm. I I think back to I shared the story with you before about what I believe to be my first connection to you which is a few years a few years back Um, you may not remember but it was it had to do with our boards I think, formal step into modern learning mm-hmm. and part of the branding of that approach of modern learning. And in my recollection is that you were part of the, part of the team. I'm not sure what, I, I don't know, I don't, I can't remember what part, it, you know, from the introductions, but I do remember we were in this room. Okay. I think we were, I'm okay. <laughs> looking, we were in this room. Yeah. And I, at the time, the modern learning, when it was first ruled out, mm-hmm. It was, um, you know, kind of pillared-based. So here's here's what we're trying to uh, kind of, and when I think pillar, I think either hold up or hold down or just structure, right? And, you know, we have we had the mathematics, and then we had modern learning, which was kind of multifaceted, mm-hmm. and then we had our mental wellness, right? And I can remember at the time, I was down with that because it was going to be like these... Um, these think tanks to sort Mm -hmm. of just let's, let's get some idea of what we're actually talking about here. The board already had kind of ruled out a framework, but we needed to fill it with some sort of ideas. Parallel to this, my, my stepfather at the time was, he's a Lutheran minister. He's now retired. And I can remember talking to him. So family, uh, family get-togethers are problematic when he and I want to sit down because we'll like we kind of disappear it's like where where have they gone they're like off talking somewhere right and I can remember somehow we started to talk about that term modern learning came up and he's Mm -hmm. a he's an academic he's a theologian he's also he's a pastor he has he has a deep practice Mm -hmm. in his religious community and it was fascinating to hear he kind of paralleled that with sort of sort of like modern religious practice and and what are sort of the expansion points? Like where, where does canon kind of stand in your way? Where is it so necessary to find some cracks? And where are there actually spaces to exist that people just don't want to kind of address? So we're kind of doing this education, uh, spiritual, almost religious mm-hmm. discussion about modern learning. And when I told him about the pillars that that were a part of it, his response after some discussion and kind of working it through, and, and he, he had pushed back. He said, I'm curious about How those are kind of all drawn together as one Mm -hmm. and it was fascinating because that wasn't a part of the discussion initially we sort of had Almost like staccato silos of each one. We're just going to develop each of these that was my sense could have been different from um, The developer standpoint, but that was my sense that there really wasn't any connective tissue there flash forward to a discussion with uh, Michelle Cassidy And I had a conversation with her Mm -hmm. and in the middle of that discussion I had a sense and I shared with her I said I feel like we're starting to get into sort of a synergistic space where these pillars mean something bigger when we're actually activating them all at the same time Mm -hmm. so your mental wellness with your mathematics and your modern learning Mm -hmm. you know the tools of modern learning going back to my Mm father-in-law where he said he said because it was around that time he listened to that podcast with Michelle Mm Cassie and then he said what about also within this a sense of belonging? Mm. And I had to, I was, and again, it's sort mm-hmm. of you, I he put me in the middle of a conversation. I didn't have the tools to kind of. I didn't. I couldn't extricate myself from it. Mm. it became very sticky. That idea mm-hmm. of belonging, because I wanted to mm-hmm. kind of say, is that mental wellness? Right. Is that is that yeah. the, some of the new pedagogical strategies we're going to mm-hmm. use it with math? Like I couldn't place it somewhere. And inevitably, I started to kind of just wrap it around it. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about your mm-hmm. your view on that, as that idea of belonging within a space or belonging within. I mean, right. you can we could say a classroom, we could say belonging within the curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of we're edging up to sort of like culturally responsive practices mm-hmm. across the board. But I really like that idea of belonging, yeah. and I haven't been able to let go of that right. idea when I think about
1: mm-hmm.
0: what I want to challenge myself with the equity work that I think is both interesting and necessary for me to get involved with, mm-hmm. but modern learning and belonging. Right. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the modern learning frame uh, at the inception was a manifestation of that academic rationalism um, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, um, the, the individual is kind of second, right? That the learner uh, is the second thought, right? Where we privilege um, learning content, uh, you know, what what's good, right? In terms of, uh, I mean, after all, uh, you can argue that schools are here to educate, right? Uh, but then again, it's we're also leaving out uh, big pieces, uh, right, uh, of who the the learner is, and that's that holistic um, whole child. Um, so, absolutely, I think um, you know, looking back, um, as I talked about shift uh, from my you know rational. Um, academic self to uh, an equitable reflective critical uh, practitioner Um, but it's still that we're still grappling and challenged by uh, what it means to uh, put the learner at the center and work outwards right so what will work for them rather than here are the structures how can they fit so um, that belonging that mattering um, that um, you know, being who you are and bringing your whole self uh, wherever you are um, as, as a learner, and not just as a learner, is, is, a, is a, that ongoing um, you know, inquiry for us mm-hmm. as a board. Um, and, you know, so we're um, grappling with few ideas and one of them being inclusive design that centers the learner and, and designs outwards uh, for, okay, what do they need to be successful, to be learned, to be, um, you know, balanced, harmonious uh, individuals. Um, and the other is, uh, you know, culturally responsive practice. What does that mean? Uh, but again, um, you know, legacies are hard to uh, let let go of, right? Because they're so ingrained. They're they're in the walls. They're they're codified, um, and that codification is, um, you know, doing things to people rather than with people or centering like learners. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is what I mean. So I think that we're in, the, um, and the other part of it is that often um, we sort of blame the structures that be, that, oh, you know, we don't have control over that. It's beyond uh, our fears of uh, control and influence. They are what they are, um, and, and, um, and, and we're at a point where um, we are challenging ourselves to think, um, and, but I'm, I'm not sure we're there yet. Uh, and that belonging and mattering um, is is a serious um, question it's a serious uh, matter and I'm not sure we have the answers uh, I think we are grasping uh, for some things there are some tangible things as again theories and, and practice and, and mindsets uh, but that is the you know the the um, you know the Holy Grail is is again um, how do we ensure that each learner um, feels uh, they belong and they matter and they're able to uh, reach their best selves, Um, yeah. That sometimes has me, um, uh, you know, keeping awake at night thinking about that Uh, because part of, uh, again, belonging to uh, academic rationalist system, um, it was good enough that, you know, 70 to 80 percent of our learners were successful. It was good enough. We're doing our best as a large system, uh, but the the 20%, the so-called, you know, underserved and underperforming, right, which is new language uh, for us, um, was, again, um, the way we perceived it or I perceived it was, well, the um, problem lies with the individuals, with their families, with their community, right? You know, they they don't uh, appreciate education. They don't appreciate um you know, um, middle class um, well-paying careers, um, they don't have the um, tenacity and the character traits to um, to be resilient. right? So we kind of, you know, shamed and blamed. right? So now we're switching that is that, you know as um, a system that serves the the good people uh, of Ontario, is it conscionable, that you know we have um, uh, students who are again uh, failing and and to what extent uh, is that our responsibility so I don't have an answer for you uh, but I think we're at least having those conversations which is uh,
0: starting point I don't know if that's a cop-out or not but so will it, uh, it it, it kind of, it, it sparks me to think of us, I mean, using the word grappling mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, if I make that relational I mean it's, let's say whatever you or I are grabbing onto and then mm-hmm. I think about what's grabbing me back <laughs> if we make, mm-hmm. like there's some sort of relationship there, it's not mm-hmm. just a matter of if we make it issue based that mm-hmm. you're grappling with an issue or an, identi- mm-hmm. an identity or a philosophy or like a moment mm-hmm. What's what's happening back to you as you actually try to sort of wrestle with with this thing, um, f- for you, when it comes to let's say um, the sort of the like culturally responsive process, whether it's you know the place that you're trying to sort of impact change on, or the actual framework of pedagogy, mm-hmm. or the activities, the system—if mm-hmm. we say—can ju- go one of two routes. Mm-hmm. One question. You can pick A or B if you want. What Mm -hmm. are you grappling with within this frame? Mm -hmm. What do you find is still like your pieces that you're really, Mm -hmm. as you say, keep you up at night Mm -hmm. specifically. And then the other one, the question that I'm asking, which is connected to my direct one to you is, um, is it fair to assume that, is it fair to think that there are educators that their sense of belonging is part of what they're grappling with as well as they're trying to build A sense of belonging for their students Mm -hmm. so what do you think right you and what you're grappling with Mm -hmm. or your thoughts on um, colleagues that are sort of now opened up to the possibility that they could ask that question how do I belong in this exact same space Mm -hmm. What would you like to go out first?
1: Um, I think I'd like to take a stab at both of them. Okay. Go ahead. Um, and, and one of them being that uh, you're right. Um, as adult learners, uh, we're still learners. So, uh, you know, part of uh, my team and uh, my department's, um, I think, goal is to uh, see, um, you know, teachers as learners and um, how do we, um, uh, how are we responsive to, to their engagement and to their learning, which in effect will um, impact their learners, right? I think we can't um, separate the two, Um, although, you know, sometimes I do, you know, um, think to myself, um, you know, you're an adult, I shouldn't have to engage you, right? You know, you're getting paid for this, right? And then I check myself and I think, um, you know, uh, your role is to engage adult learners, right? To, um, so that way they in turn, will have those um, reflections of, of their practice, of their mm-hmm. um, knowledge, and in turn uh, impact uh, their uh, learners uh, in, in classrooms. Um, and so, so I think the, um, what's good for one is good for the other is what I'm getting at. And in terms of that mattering and, mattering and belonging is how are we also um, validating and acknowledging and celebrating our colleagues right, our frontline teachers, because, you know, uh, without a doubt, that's the number one um, uh, thing that makes a difference in students' lives is teacher efficacy, mm-hmm. right? Like, take away everything, right? Modern classrooms, you know, fancy technology, right? Um, gleaming buildings, um, stellar principles, they don't make, the you know, any, uh, they don't make a, even that much of a difference as um, uh, teacher efficacy does right. Like the, the literature is clear on that so how do we get all teachers to uh, be efficacious in, in that sense that you know uh, you're, um, so I think that's that mattering and belonging do our uh, teachers and frontline staff feel um, valued and, and uh, that the work that they do matters and that their um, supervisors or who have you um, value them, listen to them and, and their needs, in mindful uh, of their needs. Um, and the other side of that is, um, as teachers, again, um, is it enough that we do what we've always done? Um, because, you know, sometimes uh, you get the feeling that, well, it's just a job, mm-hmm. right? And yet, um, you know, uh, the school system is one of the most, uh, again, influential experiences in somebody's life outcomes or everybody's life outcomes, right? Trajectory, right? It has the potential to, um, to marginalize, right? Uh, to oppress or to empower. I'm not sure um, all our um, teachers or colleagues are mindful of that. So my, um, you know, thinking has been around how do I get them to Um, empower them, perhaps, uh, to see their work, their interactions with students as life-changing, right? When um, you're still uh, bogged down with the daily minutiae of things, right? Because when you're in the thick of it sometimes, you don't have the luxury of stepping out and Mm -hmm. reflecting, right? There are deadlines, there are lesson plans, there are marking. Right, um, there are supervision duties. There is extracurricular activities. Right, like mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the extent of responsibilities of, of a teacher are, are huge. Right, um, so so sometimes I think we can get into um, so that that you know hamster wheel of, of doing mm-hmm. um, that doesn't allow for um, the, the the reflection, that critical reflection. Like, am I having positive impact? You know. Are there things I'm doing that are oppressive, right, to kids, to families, to communities? Um, so I think, it, so I guess to answer your question is, one, um, as, uh, as, a, as somebody who's in a role to support uh, teachers, I need to be mindful um, that I am treating them and working with them in ways that are uh, equitable and and culturally responsive, um, and and I think uh, my colleagues will also need to enter into that space of um, that that uh, critical again reflective practice um, by listening to voices, uh, you know, and and asking do they feel they belong? Do they feel they matter? Um, do they feel that when they're not there that uh, they're missed, right? Their presence is missed, mm-hmm. um, and and those are. Um, I feel like uh, are new. They they feel extra almost, right? In in in, in such a large system. Mm -hmm. Um, My perception is, again, uh, reflecting back as a a teacher that I was in the classroom, you want me to, you know, do all that I have to do instructionally and assessment wise, and you want me to be critical of my practice, right? You know, uh, that would have seemed unreasonable at that time. Yeah, so I think um, my sense now is that, how do I be compassionate um, and, and be respectful of my colleagues and, um, and all that they, they accomplish, right? Uh, because again, we, we are successful for 80% of our students. you know, Our graduation rates, if, if it's an indication, but what about the other 20? And then of course, um, entering into that conversation or that dissection of that, um, uh, data of, of students who are unsuccessful, uh, you see patterns emerging along lines of race, uh, um, along lines of class, along lines of um, uh, sexuality, right? So that those are, um, you know, uh, um, social identities that are historically and um, repetitively are, again, underachieving or not achieving, right? So what is it that we can do to, uh, make a dent, in, in that in those in those outcomes, um, where hundred percent of our learners are successful.
0: The um in in another conversation mm-hmm. with uh, a colleague of mine, Sarah Vitelli, mm-hmm. and we we landed one of our one of our pieces that we landed on, and we I don't know if we got a. A firm grasp of it it's still it's ongoing discussion between uh between Mm -hmm. us talking about the idea of incidental the opportunities to encounter incidentally identity Mm -hmm. Um, we talked a little bit about sort of um, from a system point of view the ways that we can sort of mirror students identities is through you know, groups and teams and clubs. And mm-hmm. we can sort of say, this is a great This is a great way for you to sort of experience school. I don't know if we specifically say this is a great way for you to kind of figure yourself out. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some clubs that are more specifically, let's say, identity-based and then others that could be perceived to be more like sort of activity-based. Mm-hmm. But we kind of landed on this, a bit of opportunism, as in without... Without, if you, if you wanted to explore your identity as a chef and you weren't sure mm-hmm. whether you wanted to declare it mm-hmm. and you decided to join the cooking club, there's the pros and cons to being sort of like locked into a space where that's the only thing that is being discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started talking about where are the places where we can, and this was specific as well about equity work, mm-hmm. where's, where are we looking at Um, some of the equity tools and the equity speak and the equity ideas and the opening up, being a part of all kind of spaces so that if you are exploring versions of yourself, you could encounter them without commitment. Mm -hmm. You could encounter them without judgment. Mm -hmm. You could encounter them without having to say, I am even that right now. Mm -hmm. You just get to audit sort of elements Mm -hmm. of your life. And we sort of land in a space like that would be kind of cool for students to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. It may even, in fact, encourage some students to sort of, Um, feel a little bit more liberated in how they can explore you Mm -hmm. know and again not the system judging saying this is how you have to do it right this is just the opportunity you go for it Mm -hmm. and I like I liked I really liked that idea and I find myself dancing between the implications of that and another thing that Sarah mentioned about whether or not us as educators we have either an obligation or responsibility to kind of Rock our truths in Mm -hmm. school to whatever level i guess i don't actually i won't even say the level because i to even say it suggests that there's there's a good or bad there's an actual percentage that that should be what are your thoughts on that as far as the teachers modeling because it goes it's it's that i'm in that space right now of trying to figure out belonging and i you know if i had my (laughs) if i had my father-in-law here he'd be chiming right in about Building community and the openness yes. and the sit beside and right. the sort of like just the listening. Yeah, it's all about the listening. It's mm-hmm. about the listening. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like within schools where mm-hmm. we're considering? We're cons- are we are we considerate enough in in what we're paying attention to, as in creating opportunities for kids and colleagues to be able to sort of bring whatever it is. Whatever it is that's in them that is their truth without having any sort of rules about how you're welcomed into the space. Mm-hmm. So I'll back that one up a little bit. Yeah. The, inc- the idea of incidental identities, being mm-hmm. able to run into and test drive versions of you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Educators with the obligation to kind of like rock their authenticity mm-hmm. to whatever level they feel comfortable to, which could also be another version of that incidental identity. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of final space that rules about being welcome as in I feel like I'm welcome, but as long as I kind of follow this kind of like path, I can be myself. Yeah. So now you get a three choice.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, based on what I hear you're saying, um, that I'm not sure I agree um, that all... Um, or your sort of we're calling incidental identity, mm-hmm. because some identities, whether you, um, you accept them or not, are still foisted upon you, mm-hmm. right? So um, you know, to use myself as an example, um, you know, um, uh, homophobia towards me, and at that time I was questioning, and uh, of course, you know, it, it was risky growing up in the in the '90s. Uh, there were no GSAs, mm-hmm. um, right? To be to be gay, okay. right, uh, in, in a racialized body, uh, uh, to boot. So, um, even though I rejected that identity, um, you know, uh, because of the risks that it involved, um, but I was still called gay or or fag or what have you, right? So, um, you know, so that I didn't have agency over that. So, I think that's um, in in a lot of the cases where it is a social identity and it's a visible identity, um, you know, you don't have agency over um, what others call you. Or um, use uh, to treat you, okay. right? So there's that. There's that part, and I think the answer to that, as you mentioned, is to how do you come to perhaps accept your identity, uh, whether incidental or social identity, where it's you know ascribed to you, uh, is by having those opportunities, that myriad of opportunities that are affinity based, right? So mm-hmm. GSAs or um, you know equity clubs or. Um, you know, um, national affiliation, ethnic affiliation, or what have you. Um, Because again, we're all sort of, um, uh, as uh, you know, uh, Robin DiAngelo, who um, is an author, uh, you know, equity advocate and and researcher would call, we're all swimming in um, sort of racial waters, right? Um, You know, where uh, in in our sense, we're talking about um, uh, the Eurocentric, right? Um, white culture uh, that we don't name, but we're all um, in, uh, or you know, um, Marie Batiste, uh, this Mi'kmaq scholar, uh, calls that we're marinated in, yep. right? Um, so, you know, and and that, but it's all it's posited as as the default, as the neutral, as the standard. Right, so I think one of the you know things that we need to um, again grapple with and come to terms with is that there is a uh, a default a standard in um, you know Ontario in in, in the Canadian context, and that's whiteness Mm -hmm. and um, white culture. Um, So and that gives uh, gives rise to uh, the need for affinity based. Right, um, because if we don't um, belong to that um, identity group um, that is seen as the default, uh, there is, um, you know, uh, impact on, on students, on teachers, um, and and this is where I think we need to think about dismantling that uh, to include multiple voices and and decenter, and it's not to displace. Because, um, you know, scholars have talked about there is appropriate whiteness, right? Um, it is destructive when it
0: becomes um, the default, right? I have never heard that term. I, it, it almost makes me... I, I'm, it doesn't translate mm-hmm. well to, to podcast right now, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm smiling. I, I'm only smiling because I almost feel... About appropriate whiteness. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That, that somehow right. just, yeah. just mm-hmm. to even accredit right. white whiteness with a level of propriety. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, right. I would never, right. I would never think to myself to sort of like put a metric on it. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I understand the perspective. I understand mm-hmm. even let's say the necessity. I just mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of.
1: Well, because you know, it sort of uh, presupposes that just like I need to have pride in my you know Tamil Sri Lankan heritage, you should be you should uh, be within your rights to have pride in your white identity.
0: I'm happy being right? me. I right? just it almost feels like it's a it's a it's an accreditation that. Mm-hmm. Um, I am yeah. <laughs> I'm not right. deserving of only because I think of the space that my whiteness takes up. Mm. So right. in saying that, there's an appropriate level. I don't take yes. it as in I need to sort of pull it back mm-hmm. or be anything less. I just mm-hmm. like it's sort of like a mm-hmm. I would have never. I, I fall on the other side of like I don't. Mm-hmm. I I don't. It's a measure of my own power and my sense of mm-hmm. where I am centered. Mm-hmm. That I I would mm-hmm. I would say to you I don't think I need permission to be me, right. and I don't okay. see. Rules around how I'm welcomed into a space, Mm -hmm. I just assume I can be there. I assume it without questioning. Mm -hmm. Right. And and just when you said, that's what was catching me. Yes, absolutely. And and that's
1: because, um, you know, often those that are early in their understanding of equity, um, you know, often take offense that when we're talking about uh, whiteness and white supremacy, uh, it means that you can't be white. Mm -hmm. That's not what it means, right? It means that, you know, given the you know our hist- history uh, of colonization colonialism um, you know uh, whiteness meant superiority over others yep. right um, you know power over without others without question yeah um, right and that's how um, you know eurocentric society standards were established yep. right at the expense of indigenous right uh, voice and culture and knowledge at the expense of uh, racialized peoples Right, cultures, voices, uh, and knowledge. So, um, you know, just to almost like, you know, allay those fears that we're not saying don't be white, right? Uh, We're saying be white, but um, in our society, they shouldn't be one center, right? They should be uh, that plural space for all to coexist with full rights. With full, um, you know, uh, human rights and and, and, uh, and that equity and and access to resources without uh, privilege, right? Without advantages because you belong to, um, you know, one category, whether it be uh, whiteness, whether it be uh, maleness, you know, whether it be middle class and upper class, right? Status, but um, especially in a public system that serves and is funded by public dollars, uh-huh. right? We need to have, um, you know, achievement and um, success and um, well-being for all uh, people of society of all levels, right? Not just some or not most.
0: Yeah, I liked also as well in the mm-hmm. the when you, um, I mean, the appropriate level of whiteness. Mm-hmm. I have to I have to say that there would be like. A, a PD session, "Don't Be White," would be very provocative indeed. <laughs> very provocative. It would shake up the thinking just a little bit, yeah. just a little bit. Um, so the landing in the en- just landing on the end of their that sort of like three question um, buffet. Mm-hmm. The teacher is sort of bringing their authentic, mm-hmm. their authentic to yeah. the workspace. Yeah. Um, I do, and I, I mean I. I shared a story in in a previous podcast just about someone commenting on my hair being short, shorter than it had been before the the Christmas break, the Mm. winter break there, Mm. coming back with a shorn head. And in that moment, this is when I talked about the rules of feeling welcome. um, I just just made a note of it is that for this person, the me coming back or the me being there with the shaved head was not the same me as the longer hair and I had a fuller beard. And I noticed it and kind of moved on. I, I didn't. I didn't land there very long, but it was mm-hmm. enough for me to notice that again. For this person, there was an issue
1: mm-hmm.
0: with with how you with the, with, with the body that was in the room at that point. Mm-hmm. And they they it took and it was even there was even a a statement of how it would be better if I just let my hair grow now. <laughs> and and I'm not again. I just it's it's an example where. I, I noticed because I, I know of broader conversations where this would be a really problematic and revealing conversation in, in other contexts where mm-hmm. you're sort of declaring that the, the person that's in front of you should right. actually be a different version of them because right. they would be a more effective right. person in the space. Yeah, absolutely. And this was sort of brought to me about my haircut. Now, there's things about me that. Um, I I remain open enough to colleagues and friends to sort of be able to either make jokes or uh, that collegiality comes with some, you know, the joviality as well. So mm-hmm. we were able to sort of play through that and me push back no, mm-hmm. knowing that I couldn't say mm-hmm. you got to open your mind a little bit because I could come into tour with my eyebrows gone if I, if I get bored. Like I'll, I'll do something <laughs> just to sort of play with what the, the shell of the identity. Mm-hmm. And I I I take, this, I, I take this example and I, I kind of use it as, a, as an example or it's, it's a mirror for me that my, my mind is moving in the right direction when sort of checking my rules about welcoming people into a space mm-hmm. and that it's, it can never be about what I perceive to be the better version of them that makes me more comfortable. Right. And uh, again, my path of learning, what, what that means consistently is the work, it's the grind. Because mm-hmm. it, it is very easy for me to present this theory to you based right. on one example. Mm-hmm. You do it again and again and again to establish the credibility that this is now me right. as, a, as a white male. Mm-hmm. M- middle-aged, as yeah. we declared on the front. Short yes. hair. You self-identified short hair. Yeah, yeah. short hair, bearded, yeah. white male. We're pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Except for some really cool differences. Right. Right? Yeah. So um, just before we wrap, before mm-hmm. we wrap just that idea of of the the educator kind of rocking their identity Mm -hmm. and I know there's no single path to sort of finding I'll come back to the belonging Mm -hmm. Um, I I wonder about that exact same example that individual individual talking to me about my my cut hair Mm -hmm. and I I make a systemic stamp of that. Mm where either said or unsaid, there's the sense that Mm -hmm. somehow there are rules to me being welcomed into the space. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm curious about your perspective on either kind of rewriting that wrong word, writing a new path because we can't deny if Mm -hmm. we say that there are, if we, if we agree that there are systemic values and uh, perspectives And biases that are woven into the work that we do Um, Mm -hmm. the next step forward is how you affect the change I don't think Mm -hmm. we can we can't pull out what has happened correct what we do next Mm -hmm. can Mm -hmm. what could be that next Mm -hmm. what what, what could be that next and you had mentioned you know making sure that we're respecting the multiple views that we're sort of including more voices in there Mm -hmm. but let's say we're we're just shifting a little bit from providing context for a student now we're sort of talking about our colleagues so Mm -hmm. the ones that might be either questioning or pursuing or kind of exploring themselves
1: Um, I mean that's again you know you keep asking all these million dollar questions uh, and uh, and I love that uh, because I don't have you know full thought-out plan Um, however here's my uh, stab at it and Mm -hmm. that is um, even that um, bringing in your whole self not just your um, self as a teacher mm-hmm. is, is, is relatively new it is right um, where um, you know for as I, the reasons I mentioned where there's uh, risk or there is uh, positional uh, trust or lack thereof uh, you couldn't bring your full self right um, you know um, especially uh, you know um, when I first started teaching Um, even though I was uh, perceived as gay, I um, did my best to um, manage that uh, identity because I knew that it came with, um, you know, bias, right? Whether in students, uh, in colleagues, right, Uh, in community. Um, So uh, because at that time, we didn't talk about social identities. We didn't talk about, oh, it's okay to be gay. Um, You know, we didn't talk about uh, it's okay that... Um, you know, um, English is your second language. That you know, you were an immigrant here, and, and you know, you learned and, and uh, got an English degree, uh, where there was a priority of of native speakers, um, and, and there still is in in uh, lots of other parts of the world, uh, where um, you know, um, in order for you to uh, have credibility as an English teacher, um, you had to sort of uh, front as. Uh, you know, I, um, as somebody whose uh, first language was English, that, you know, that was your natural, um, you, you know, know it mother just, language. You know it just came to mind? Yeah. Did you have to front the appropriate level of whiteness? Right. Well, you know what? That's a good point. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Or at least, uh, you know, facsimile of it. Yeah. As close as I could get yeah. to.
0: Um, right? I apologize. Sorry for the introduction. No, but that's, no. That's, I think that's I a was, great example. I was example. like, I, I didn't know if that if we were mm-hmm. sort of that, that. Right. That stamp yeah. was the exact right. same thing, just yeah. kind of flipped yeah. from the perspective right. of expectations, not offering. Correct, the, the
1: standard, yeah. right? Like, how are you close to, can you get to, right, as an English teacher and then what that, yeah. uh, you know, um, prototype or archetype. Yeah. Of the of the English teacher was, um, so I think you know having those conversations about how we bring our whole selves, mm-hmm. right, um, is, is a way forward. And um, also, I think uh, as teachers, we can do um, more to learn about um, you know the notion of um, you know um, identity mm-hmm. and and um, you know um, not just your role impacting. Right, uh, your work. Um, so I think we have a lot, a lot more to, uh, a lot more work to do, or learning to do, perhaps even unlearning around power, privilege, and what does it mean to be, uh, you know, a Canadian? What you know, uh, what does it mean to be white? What does it mean to be non-white? What does it mean to be racialized? I think we need to, because, um, again, going back to how things were when I started, you know, in, in two thousand four, um, you know, those were impolite things to talk about or they were radical things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, few years in, we started having GSAs, and I remember we had to, um, you know, meet secretly, right? Uh, Because we were afraid of blowback from the community, Mm -hmm. right? Things like that. So, you know, what's the message to a gay teacher that, you know, um, don't advertise a gay-straight alliance, um, right? Because, you know, uh, we're all going to hear about it, or we're going to end up on the news, Mm -hmm. right? so, and, and, and again, we're really early, I feel, in equity learning and unlearning and, and maybe some relearning uh, as well. So uh, be open to those conversations, because a lot of us, because of our perhaps bias, perhaps lack of, of knowledge, um, that we, sh- we shut down. Um, you know, we some of us still uh, believe that uh, equity is um, uh, not, not really uh, teaching, learning, there's no it has no business in uh, our system right so um, I think being open to to new learning and as I said unlearning I think is a, a way forward um, and the other one is to you know listen to listen to our stakeholders right uh, our students our community right our colleagues um, and, and see if it's not working what um, will we'll work let's enter into a dialogue right and not a monologue about um, solutions. You know, they may not all work, and that's the other part as well. We're um, afraid of failure, afraid to take risks, and yet uh, we require those of our students all the time. Uh, but as a as a profession, as, as uh, you know, um, in our roles, we don't do that enough. Um, what was the second part or the last part of your question about uh, going forward and I feel like there was something else
0: there that I missed that you were wondering about the, it, was, it was about that you know being able to bring your whole self to the classroom mm-hmm. and the rules yeah. around being welcome mm-hmm. so it's almost like the, mm-hmm. the rules about being welcome in a space is almost a bait and switch mm-hmm. the lip service for equity work right. that on one end you know that you can walk into a room mm-hmm. but then you see the experience of others and feel like you have to ask participate in it so to speak or whatever that is being offered seems to be it's there it's there for the taking which is for me the wrong paradigm Mm -hmm. that you feel you walk into a space and you have to well if i go back to where we started Mm -hmm. your sense of your your rational self competitiveness Mm -hmm. to have a mastery Mm -hmm. of the language that you felt would sort of accredit you with that appropriate right. level to the next step—it's—it's—it's mm-hmm. rather—it's—it's it's belligerent in some ways, but only to the end of how it's being portrayed that you're going to be successful. You have to fight like that to get that, and then you observe right. the room and like, why is no one else having to fight for this stuff? Right. And so I think it's that again, mm-hmm. the rules around being welcomed into a space, right. which was sort of stemming out of a Very simple and silly thing, my being my head being shaved, <laughs> right? But it got me thinking about that, Absolutely. right? And then, what am I doing in spaces to have the welcome just that
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: it's just making the room open, it's Correct. not setting a context, as in you right. will be more welcome as long as you. Right. And so. I think
1: you're also pointing to that um, advocacy and allyship, right? So, you know, if you are, um, you know, at the table and you mm-hmm. notice. Uh, voices missing at the table Mm -hmm. you leverage your power to say hey um, you know why isn't so-and-so here why don't we hear from Mm -hmm. right and and there we're being an ally by um, advocating for other people for speaking speaking up yeah right Um, you know and the other part of it is that just because you're at the table uh, doesn't mean as well that you're being heard right so how do we also see through um, you know, uh, uh, false pretenses of, of inclusion, right? Um, you know, inclusion means that, you know, your voice is listened to and it has a bearing on the outcome. Um, so I think just looking out for each other in that sense, um, you know, and, and, and again, going back to that notion of uh, pluralism is, you know, what are we missing, right? What perspective is missing or what are we not considering?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, do, it's, I remember when I sent you the, the frame for the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, you, you threw me an LOL. How long is this conversation going right. to be? Right. Let's return to it. Yes. You, you want to return to it? Let's sure. return to it at some point. Sure. I think that um, there's a lot of openness in it as far mm-hmm. as things that um, I would like to come back to be able to sort of uh, share more on the ground some of the work. Where I say the grind of the consistency, sort of like mm-hmm. when I say that, me in the classroom, mm-hmm. um, you not in the classroom, sort mm-hmm. of working with, uh, co- like you know, you working with teachers and you working in the consultancy realms, sort of like mm-hmm. with the school board. I would love to come back to it mm-hmm. um, at another point just to sort of take another little litmus of kind yeah. of where things are going, and definitely uh, next time around, it almost felt one- one-sided, as and I was. Asking you all these questions, right. but to sort of come back and sort of, sh- I, I would like to be able to speak to some of the the, mm-hmm, yeah. the steps that myself and my colleagues are taking within the schools right. to sort of work on, because mm-hmm. the questions and the frames that I offered you are coming from discussions that we're having in the school right. and they're coming from yeah. uh, a collection of educators, uh, a broad collection of educators that are um, Interested in mm-hmm. sort of like creating these open opportunities for mm-hmm. students to see themselves and to sort of create or recreate themselves or mm-hmm. just to honor What they got right. just to be able to sort of yeah. be themselves as they are. Yeah,
1: I think I definitely welcome that um, I think we also owe to ourselves and the system to Um, speak of tangible things right that Mm -hmm. you know the 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 specificities and then the details Uh, absolutely Uh, because that's what actually you know um, when it matters to the lives of our students right is that you know what are we doing differently what's shifted and and how has that uh, changed the experience uh, when students are sitting down at
0: tables or or standing up or what have you yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely so the mistakes made within those sort of reasonably yes. vulnerable moments yes and let's speak of those as sort of like the steps towards something right. without, again, without theory absolutely and
1: because we tried something yeah it right? didn't work I like that uh, but you know as opposed to and again especially in this work in terms of uh, transforming systems and and operationalizing equity there's a lot of risk uh because we're talking about people's lives and um and and their sense of self and how they um feel about um you know their place in in in, in learning and in, in schools uh so um but the opposite is um inaction right uh where we're just perpetuating status quo and we know that's not working right it's not working for um, a lot of our families a lot of our kids so we owe to them to say this is what we're doing this is our plan and this is how it's panning out or um you know we now know that that doesn't work but here's what we're doing. Absolutely.
0: It's a curious way to look at equity work, as mm-hmm. in having the permission to make mistakes towards... Yes, absolutely. It's sort of like equitable spaces. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not reckless, of course. No, no, definitely not reckless. Right. But, but I really do think that there's, mm. in order to get to that sense of agency, there's a, there's a strange two-step of feeling like we're giving ourselves permission to make these mistakes, because in doing so, We're increasing potentially. There's potential to to increase the transparency, to increase the engagement, to sort of increase the intentionality that we're, as you said, moving towards something. Mm -hmm. Um, I use the example of watching the YouTube videos about, you know, building a shed. Mm. At some point, if you don't go and spend some money, buy some resources and, and, you know, start banging some nails into something, to watch one more video to refine your Mm skill set. And sometimes I think about within our... uh, the way that the information is brought to us and and the way that we're trained in the equity work, Mm -hmm. I almost feel like at some point there should be a whistleblower and say, now, get to it, go try this. And then we'll come back to this. We'll come back to the part one, you know, the part two, Mm -hmm. once you go out there and you kind of mess around a little bit. Because I think there's, there's probably some dis, uh, psychological disorder about watching how-to videos right. that at some point you convince yourself you're actually doing something doing more work. than watching YouTube. Absolutely. And
1: I think it's a, a, a form of, again, self-preservation as well. Of course. Right?
0: Of course. Um, so We absolutely. want to feel good about the work that we're doing right. and maybe a little less good about the work that we're not doing. Correct. <laughs> absolutely. Sanjay, thank you for the conversation. Cool. Thank you, Chris. One last thing: sure. if people are, uh, when people reach out, where would you like to be found? So, if they want to chase this conversation, reconnect with you, do you have?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Where do you want to be uh, Twitter uh, is my go-to. Um, I try to, you know, check that regularly and spend, it, you know, that's my, uh, you know, uh, learning for the day, ten fifteen minutes on Twitter. Um, so uh, Sanj Siva one uh, o eight, that's my handle on Twitter. That's S A N J. Uh, S I V A one hundred and eight. Fantastic. On Twitter, yeah. I'll add it to the the notes too. With Please it. do. And
0: um, thank you for the
1: talk Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I, I love um, these moments uh, because I think it gives me an opportunity to clarify my own thinking, and, and uh, you know, because you don't get to do that sort of on your own. You know, you sort of uh, think about it, but to articulate it, um, it goes a long way. So I appreciate your uh, thoughtful questions. And I appreciate you.
0: Thank you for your time. All
1: right. You. Awesome.